We're speaking about joy because it's Christmas time. It's not exactly Christmas right now, but it's close to Christmas. It's the time of year where we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, whether it's hot or cold outside. And what's really cool about this church and about Amsterdam is that there are people from around the world. There are people from like Brazil here, from Australia, from Germany, from the UK, native Amsterdamers, South Africans, I'm, I've, China, there we go. I've left a whole bunch of places out. But no matter where you're from, this is what we're doing today. We're celebrating Jesus. And so what I'll be speaking on today is full joy. So let's read our key scripture, pray, and then I'll get into it. So we're in the book of John, which is one of the four books of good news that tell the story of Jesus in a slightly different way. This verse is found in a part of the story where Jesus is talking to his disciples. The tempo of the story written by John has slowed right down. What Jesus is saying is important. So in John chapter 15, verse 11, he says this. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. So let me pray. God, I pray that you would just open our hearts this morning. I pray that your revelation would just explode inside of our hearts and our minds. And I pray that whether we're not a Christian at all, or whether, or whether we've been a Christian our entire lives, that we would encounter you this morning. That what you have to speak to us would just capture us, make us come alive. God, I pray that we would just have this revelation of what it means to have full joy. Amen. So from this verse, we can see that Jesus is talking about joy, and that full joy is part of the end result of these things. That Jesus has spoken to his disciples, but what is full joy? So let's start with comes to mind when we think of joy. I bet there are tons of things that pop into your mind. If you've got a notebook, write some down, or just think of some. Perhaps it's kids, kids giggling, or candlelit dinners, rolling on the floor laughing. I don't know when last you actually did that. As a kid, we do it all the time. As an adult, not so much. Perhaps it's your first kiss, or unboxing Apple products. This is amazing for some people. They're like, Ooh, ooh, and they pass the box to somebody else, and they're like, ooh, ooh. It's an amazing experience. Perhaps for some of you, it's sunsets, or taking photo of sunsets. Perhaps it's finding your lost dog after a couple of days, or getting 100 likes on an Instagram post, like, woof, well done. For me, in moments like these, I have two distinct moments that always pop up and bring a smile to my face. The first is surfing. Like I said, I'm from Durban, so the water temperature is about 21 to 24 degrees. It's amazing. But imagine this, sun shining through a wave and then ducking under it. And then as you come up, the spray from the wave that just passed, just like coming lightly down on your face. And then standing up and then turning and then surfing along this wall of water really fast on a board on water. It's amazing. And this all happens in an instant in my mind, like bam. 
perfectly spliced and edited along with feelings and smells and periphery visuals. It's like a 4D experience, just for surfing, just for me, in my mind, just like that. The other is riding my bike over the Amstel Bridge from De Pipe into Amsterdam Oost. I used to live in De Pipe, and it was amazing. As I crossed the bridge, I was just like, I live in Amsterdam. And it's just like, I can't believe it. Every time I do that, I just think, this is amazing. I live in this perfect, beautiful city. It brings joy into my heart. So what comes to mind for you? For some people, it's shelter or sustenance, you know, just a morsel of food, clothing, just something to put on their back, something really basic. For others, it's the red light district, pornography, sexual conquest. For others, it's food, the perfect flat white. I was trying to explain to Philip this morning where I find the perfect flat white. He disagreed with me on several occasions and went to Starbucks. For others, it's food, the ultimate bagel. Perhaps for you, it's a party or getting high or getting drunk. It could be to do with work or travel, family, singing, hanging out, whatever. So if you're taking notes, like I said earlier, write down a few things that bring you joy. As a human, everything we do is in pursuit of joy. Your search for joy is nothing to be ashamed of. It's the way we've been designed. The chemicals in our body release these little bits of happiness, like pew, 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 every single time we do something worthwhile. Every single time. If we didn't do this, we would probably die. Why? Because there would be no motivation. We eat because it makes us feel happy. We run because it makes us feel good. We like hugs and smiles because it makes us feel warm and fuzzy inside. We like doing a really good job at work because what, have hap what, happens, when, uh, what happens inside when our, our colleagues and our boss say, good job, well done. We're like, yeah, that's really cool. I like to think that we have different joy tanks to match all the types of joy that we can experience. There's a tank for cute joy. Bunnies, kittens, babies. Perhaps not babies for everyone, but as you get older, babies seem to get cuter and cuter. There is a tank for food joy, one for human connection, one for travel, for work, it's one for success, and literally there is one just for chocolate. So there are tons of these joy tanks. Some are small and some are big. Some don't matter too much. Some are pretty important. But one thing that they all have in common is that they deplete. The joy we deposit in them doesn't last forever. It's just the way that we are designed. So if you think about a football joy tank, so if there are some Ajax supporters here, you'll know what I'm talking about here. So you're watching on the couch, or maybe you're lucky enough to have a ticket to a stadium, the actual match, and your team scores a goal. Bam! Yeah! Your joy tank goes bloop, 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 bloop. You're feeling pretty good. And then the opposing team scores a goal, and you're like, no. And your joy tank goes bloop, bloop. But ultimately, you win the match. Yeah! And it goes bloop, 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 bloop. 
you're feeling pretty good about yourself. And then later, you win the championship, and you're just like, you're having a big party, your joy is like skyrocketing. It's hitting the ceiling. But the thing is, that does not last. It may linger for a while, but it's never going to stay there. Actually, it's probably going to drop back down as soon as you lose the next match. Bloop, bloop, bloop. It's just the way it is, right? So most of these types of joy, of joy are great and good and gifts from God. Not all of them are gifts from God, and not all of them are good. A lot of them are aliases of underlying joy, of an underlying joy tank, like pleasure or power or status or control or freedom. Perhaps conformity. But is any of this joy the kind of joy John 15, 11 is speaking about? The Greek word for full at the end of the verse is this word. And if you're Greek, you understand what that means. But for the rest of us, or perhaps if you've got a U.S. accent, or you're like me, who's trying to put on a U.S. accent, you would say it like this, plerao. And if you're Greek, or wanting to put on a Greek accent, it's pliro. That's how you say it, if you want to sound fancy. So this word means to complete, to make full, full up, be liberally supplied, cause to abound, render full, full to the top, to the brim, so that nothing may be wanting, to render perfect, to make complete in every particular, to accomplish. You get the point, right? Who wouldn't want this kind of joy? So what does to the brim joy look like for you? So maybe for this lady, this girl, Agnes from Despicable Me, she'd think of like to the brim joy as a fluffy unicorn. Perhaps for this guy over here, Jake Peralta from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, it would be finally catching the Pontiac Bandit. He would probably be like, noise. But we know that these things wouldn't work in the long term, right? Because we've tried many of these things ourselves. Maybe not fluffy unicorns, but a lot of the other stuff. We've tried sex and food and travel, possessions, success, and being nice, and a whole bunch of other things. We've even tried cuddling puppies. And yet we still feel like there's more to life. And the reason for this is that there's one big joy tank we can never seem to fill. I'm sure you know which one I'm talking about. It's the eternity-sized one that towers over every single other one. It's the elephant in the room. It's the one we try to ignore. And it's never closer to being full, and it always feels like its capacity keeps on increasing the more we try and fill it. So what is the one thing that would fill this massive joy tank we have? And how can our joy be full to the top when we have this tank in our lives? And then, if you found it, what would you do? So if you found this thing that would give this massive tank a whole bunch of joy, what would you do? 
So in Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 13, from verse 44 to 46, Jesus, he knows a thing or two. This is what he says. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field that a person found and hid. Then because of joy, he went and sold all that he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant searching for fine pearls. When he, find a, when he found a pearl of great value, he went out and sold everything he had and bought it. So what kind of joy would prompt behavior like this? I don't know anyone or very few people, definitely no people in my life, who have sold everything they've had because of the joy that was in front of them. Well, Jesus indicates in John chapter 15, 11, that these things will lead to full joy. And this verse is in the middle of a passage found in John chapter 15, verses 1 to 17. So let's see what these things are. What we'll do is we'll treat the passage like a series. And this series has two seasons. So the first season will be verses 1 to 11, and the second season, verses 12 to 17. So let's read. This is Jesus speaking. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean, or pruned, because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. That seems really nice, right? By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. So, whoa, there's a lot to take in there. This first season is all about bearing fruit and abiding in Jesus. There are pros for abiding in Jesus. There are cons for not abiding in Jesus. We are told that Jesus loves us like God loves him. And season one ends with a cliffhanger, those commandments to keep. But what are they? Or what are they? What are those commandments? This would look like a to-be-continued screen, one of these things. You'd be like, ah, oh, man, I have to wait for the next season. But the thing is, this series was written 2,000 years ago, so we can jump straight into it. So Jesus, again, in season two, is saying, this is my commandment. And here we go, the cliffhanger is resolved, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends 
if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. There it is again. Really nice genie kind of effect. These things I command you so that you will love one another. So what we can think after reading this passage is that we need to do a lot in order to receive full joy. We need to bear much fruit. We need to love people, like die for them kind of love. We need to obey commands. And all this sounds really appealing because we can ask God for whatever we want. But this brings us back to verse 4 and 5. It says, you cannot do anything by yourself. It is not by our effort and achievement. It is only by abiding in Christ that we do any of this. It is only by who we are in him. So if we try to do anything apart from Christ, you're trying to fill that big eternity-sized joy tank with joy earned through achievement and effort. And achievement and effort actually have their own joy tank. It's the wrong kind of joy. So what kind of joy is meant to go inside the big joy tank? Jesus' joy. Verse 11 says that his joy will be in us and that our joy may be full. And what is Jesus' joy? His relationship with his Father. And that's what Wilson spoke about. In Psalm 21, verse 6, it says, For you make him most blessed forever. You make him glad with the joy of your presence. In fact, it brings Jesus so much joy that he, out of obedience to his Father, came to join himself to us, humanity. This is what we celebrate at Christmas, Jesus being human, which if you think about it, it's just, it's mind-blowing. When we were singing there that Jesus was a babe, a baby, I was like, but how? How does this, I just don't understand. But the thing is, Jesus then lives a perfect life. He obediently endures death on a cross through which he takes all of our sin on himself. He frees us, but that's not the end. He defeats death on our behalf by being raised from the dead, which again is just like mind-blowing. And then he ascends into heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father, and then he gives us the opportunity to be in a relationship with him, with his Father. Not with Steve Jobs, or Albert Einstein, or Beyonce, or Harry Potter. No, we get to be in a relationship with the God of the universe. The God who made everything. That's the person we get to be in a relationship with. And this Jesus did because he loves you. And this is the good news of Christmas, of Easter, and every single other day. Have a look. Have a look at this verse in Ephesians. I'm reading from verse 1, chapter 1, verses 3 to 9. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. 
even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. When you read this, don't you think, wow, that's awesome. It's powerful, like boom. We are adopted by God, the God of the universe. We are loved by him, and he chose us before the foundation of the world. Doesn't that do something in you? Don't you feel something now? In Galatians chapter 4, it says, And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And this relationship with our eternal Father in Jesus is the only thing that can bring us joy that will fill our eternity-sized joy tank. And we don't have to do anything besides believe in Jesus and accept what he's done for us. Accept that Jesus and God love you, every single one of you, uniquely and individually. And they will love you for forever. And in Romans chapter 8, it says, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So Jesus makes this all possible. And in Jesus, we have what we were designed to have, true joy. He is our Savior. In John chapter 14, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you have known me, you will know my Father too. And from now on, you do know him and have seen him. It's amazing. So this may not be what you expected to hear this morning. Perhaps you thought full joy looked like streams of chocolate, a painless world, a perfect paradise where you could go skinny dipping at will. Or perhaps you thought it was doing a bunch of stuff you didn't really want to do so that you could have some free wishes at the end of it. No, full joy is found in Christ, in Christ alone. In Philippians, Paul says, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Whether it's suffering or amazing things in life, they don't matter much when you compare it to what's on offer here. Jesus does not represent a moment where we win a ticket into heaven. Jesus is forever, and we will always have him. We are always part of his relationship with God. 
to the brim joy is always at hand. Immense, full, glorious joy is always at hand. And this may be hard to comprehend. C.S. Lewis has a great quote, and it says, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are often, or we are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. So we are far, so all the time we are so used to filling up our joy with moments, our joy tanks with moments, and so used to finding a new thing, something else, something more, that we don't really know what it means to abide in Jesus. But what we have here is an incorruptible treasure that will last for forever. Only an eternal, loving God can give us joy that will fill this tank. So if this is the case, why is there so much about bearing fruit, loving others, obeying commandments in our passage? It's a great question. Because abiding in Jesus, spending time with him, pondering about how awesome and good he is, thinking about how much he loves you, and finding yourselves filled with joy will naturally lead you to become like him and wanting to please him, trust him, and obey him. Realizing that he knows everything about you, that he created you, that he created the universe, that he is all-knowing and powerful, and that he loves you, will change you. This will lead you to bearing fruit. It will lead you to loving others like Jesus did, but only if we are in him. It is most natural for a branch to draw from the vine and produce fruit, and so it will become natural for us to love others and bear fruit. And this happens because when Jesus ascended, he gave us his spirit, the Holy Spirit. And in John 14, 26, Jesus says, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and will cause you to remember everything I said to you. The thing is, abiding in Christ gives us joy as well as some other characteristics that benefit those around us. Amazing things. In Galatians 5, it says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But it all starts with responding to love or to God in love and how he first loved us. So to end off with, there are two verses in Psalms that sum it up really well. In Psalm 16, it says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And in Psalm 73, it says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire beside you. So whether you're in a slump or whether you're doing great, I dare you to make God your treasure, your source of joy. I dare you to pray something like this, and it's something that I've prayed in the past. God, I don't want to pray this, because sometimes we don't want to pray it, but I want to want you. I want to love you. I want you to become my treasure, my joy, and see what happens. 
Let's pray. So God, thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you that you have made a way for us to be in a relationship with you, and that, that brings us full joy. Thank you, Father, that you are the one that made a way for us. You are the one who loved us first, and you know us more intimately than anybody in the entire universe. Thank you that you made a way through your Son for us to be together, for you to dwell with us. I pray that you would just carry on speaking to us and fill us with your joy. Amen.